0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. If you had a leaking water heater, if you got up on some morning, went out into your garage, you found two inches of water laying on on the floor, you would immediately get on the phone and you would call... Okay, let me try that one again. A little falling asleep during the video there. Okay. If you woke up one morning, found that your water heater had sprung a leak, then there was two inches of water all over your garage, you would immediately get on the phone and you would call a plumber. Absolutely. Because plumbers will fix that kind of leak. Now, if you had a leak in a valve of your heart, you would not call a plumber. You would call A a doctor, a heart surgeon. You would want somebody because he has knowledge about leaks in the heart. You would not call your plumber to fix a leak in your heart no matter how good a plumber he might be. He might be the smartest plumber in the whole wide world, but he has no knowledge of the heart. Conversely, you would not call a heart surgeon if you had a leak in your water heater because he might be the smartest heart surgeon. He might be a world-renowned smart surgeon. He might know everything there is to know about the heart and fixing leaky heart valves, but he knows nothing about plumbing. You would call the person who has knowledge for that particular thing. See, we live in a day and age that a lot of people think that knowledge and information and the mind and thought and reason all has to do with things like science and mathematics and, and those kinds of things. And, so, and, and a lot of people think that if you have faith, you kind of got to check your brains at the door because, because that has nothing to do with reason or thought. And that's, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just a different type of knowledge. And in the same way that you wouldn't call a heart surgeon to fix a leaky water heater, you can't rely on science and mathematics when it comes to the matters of faith and God and eternity because they have no knowledge about that. We're in a series that we are calling All In, and it is based on what Jesus called the greatest commandment when he was quizzed about it. Um, And we're going to read it together again this morning because I just want to go, this is what this whole series is about. Jesus was asked on many occasions, but on one particular occasion, was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, this is the greatest commandment. We're going to put it up on the screen. I'd like you to read it out loud with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. With all your strength, it's not in there, it should be, and love your neighbor as yourself. So today we're going to talk about the mind. We talked about loving God with all your heart. We talked about loving with all your soul, that your soul is the deepest part of who you are. Your heart is the decisive center. It's where you make the decisions and choices of your life. Um, Today we're going to talk about your mind. What does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your mind? And faith is reasonable. Faith has to do just as much with your mind as it does with your heart and with your soul. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what does it look like to love God with all your mind. And there's two passages we're going to look at. The first is in Romans chapter 12. This is Paul's letter to the Roman church. And in verse 1, he wrote these words to them. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Talks about transforming the mind. That knowledge has to do with this idea of living in a right relationship with God and understanding God's ways and living by God's ways. Then Philippians chapter 4, if you want to turn there a few pages over, it's Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. He wrote these words in verse 9 Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Scripture tells us we have a mind. You have a mind. And it was designed for learning, and for wisdom, and for understanding. And primarily, it was designed for a relationship with God, that your mind functions best in this relationship with God in which you learn His ways and His wisdom and His understanding. And in that way, you learn to live in that right relationship with Him. That's what it means to love the Lord with all your mind. With a renewed mind, you better understand how to live in His ways. So what does that look like when it comes down to loving God with all of my mind? And, and I'll tell you this morning, it's going to be, the last couple of weeks we've kind of gotten really deep and dug some really deep um, into this whole idea of the heart and the soul. Today is going to be very much more practical, but I want to talk about loving God with all your mind and if you're here this morning and you're still in that deciding process you don't know enough about God or faith or the soul or these kinds of things and and you've got questions and you you don't really have the understanding I hope this morning that you'll come away with a better understanding about what that's all about and if you're a Christ follower all the more so that we understand how do I love God with all your mind and I think it starts with this I think it starts with learning how to monitor your mind because before you can renew your mind, you kind of kind to figure out what my mind is doing right now. Paul wrote, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means I need to understand, how does my mind operate right now? So here's a question for you. Where does your mind go when given an opportunity when it's not occupied with a particular task or or study or something like that, just where does your mind tend to naturally go? What is the flow of thoughts and ideas that goes through your mind? Because your mind is more than just your thoughts. Actually, it includes insight. It includes ideas. It it includes um, your general perception or your mindset. It's the way that you look at life. How do you look at life? Sometimes it involves emotions, but it all has to do with my perception and, and how I process the experiences and events of my life. What do I think about when I go through those things? Great, Elsrich. I came across this years ago. I just love this. It's um, excerpts from the uh, the diary of a dog. Okay, this is the dog's mindset. Eight a.m. Dog food, my favorite thing. Nine thirty a.m. A car ride my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 p.m., lunch, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wagged my tail, my favorite thing. It's 5 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, watch TV with the people. My favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed. My favorite thing. That's the mindset of a dog. Excerpt from the diary of a cat. Day 983 of my captivity. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is a dream of escape. So, two totally different mindsets. <laughs> Let me ask you what is the general mindset of your life? Where does your mind go when given the opportunity? Just naturally. John Ortberg writes a lot about this in his book, The Me I Wanna Be, and he, he gives this this is a great, great thing to do. Write down these words on your outline. Would you just a couple of words? I'll, Try not to go too fast. Write down the word grateful, curious, stubborn, defensive, hopeful, angry, self preoccupied, passive, determined. Dissatisfied, anxious, engaged, creative, and curious. If you had to pick three of those and say, you know, this is where my mind tends to go. This is generally my mindset. Which of those three would you say pretty much describes you. In fact, he suggests one thing you might want to do is set an alarm on your your watch or or on your phone or something just sporadically throughout the day, like maybe two or three times a day. And when the alarm goes off, just stop and think for a moment, where is my mind right now? Where is it going? You might want to ask somebody that knows you real well what they think about the three that they would pick for you. Because, you see, our mindset very much determines the direction of our life. And that's why monitoring your mind and knowing where it goes is so important. And one of the best indicators, by the way, is your emotions. How do you find yourself reacting emotionally throughout the day? Because your emotions generally tend to be the reflection of your mindset. A husband or a wife maybe is feeling a little bit um, neglected. Or maybe um, taken advantage of in their marriage. And and they start thinking about that. And start pondering on that. And over a period of time as they ruminate. then that that idea and that thought keeps going through their brain over and over again. Suddenly it begins to turn to a little bit of resentment. And anger. And bitterness. Because they keep entertaining this thought. And then everything that happens in in their interaction with their spouse reinforces that. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And at that moment, they start opening themselves up to becoming very, very vulnerable to sin. Because now you start entertaining thoughts and ideas about things you never would have thought of before. But the mindset begins to affect the emotions, which begin to affect the way that you think. Emotions are a great indicator. I think one of the top emotions that people deal with, particularly in our day, is anxiety and fear. In fact, that's the one that Paul writes about. He writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The best thing you can do with your thought life, in fact, one of the best ways that you can kind of identify where your thought patterns go is in prayer. Earl Palmer calls prayer the way we think things through before God. I think that's a good definition. What am I going through? What's going on in my life? And bringing that before God. Paul says you do this in your prayer, which literally means, the the Greek word is prosyukomai, which means to to kneel towards. And and the idea is to take the shift off of what's going on in my life and the circumstances and move them towards God. He says with petition, the ability to bring whatever's going on in my life before God honestly. And then Thanksgiving which helps change the focus not on my need so much as on God's faithfulness. And the result in that exchange is what Paul calls calls peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's the first question for you. Where does your mind go when it's given the opportunity? What are the thought patterns? What is the mindset of your life? And start monitoring that. And once you become more aware of the thought process and the, the mindset that's going on, now you can begin to transform it by nourishing it and feeding it in a different way. And that's the next thing is nourish your mind. Because whatever you feed your mind will affect its health. New Living Translation of Romans 12 too, I love it the way he put it. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because the way you think... Begins to affect your soul. And your soul begins to affect your heart. Out of which you make the decisions and choices of your life. And so what you put into your mind. Is of great importance. And you would like to think that. No I can, I can read that kind of material. Or, or I can watch that kind of a movie. Or I can listen to that kind of music. And it doesn't really affect me. And you're just lying to yourself. Because all of that stuff takes root. And if you don't believe that, why do you think advertisers spend millions of dollars all the time just for 30 seconds to plant a seed in your brain? (laughs) Because they know. It stays with you. And if you don't believe that, I bet if I asked everyone in in this room could identify the seven castaways on Gilligan's Isle. Even though they have been... Cast away for 45 years. I bet everybody could. Why? Because the song is in your head. They are permanently cast away in your mind. (laughs) Because that's how stuff sets with us. There's this thing. It's called neuroplasticity. And it has to do with the thought patterns. And your mind actually shapes your brain. Because the neurons, the neural pathways in your brain, the more that you use them in certain things, those become well-traveled highways. And what happens, those neural pathways actually become like eight-lane interstates. And the things that you don't think about or you don't concentrate on or don't go through your mind, those become like, like old unused dirt roads that get overgrown with weeds. And so the stuff that you put into your mind begins to affect your whole mindset and your way of thinking. And that's why Paul goes on. He says, listen, this is the stuff to put into your mind. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He says, Think about what you put into your brain. Put these kinds of things, these are good, healthy things to be putting into your mind. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful. And by the way, that word whatever is a is a very it's a freedom word. It's whatever. To to sit and watch a beautiful sunset. It's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Sit and think and ponder on it. What a good God, God must be to have created such beauty for no other purpose except to be beautiful. That's a noble thought. Think about such things. It doesn't only have to be about Scripture. It's whatever. Whatever is pure. Whatever. One of the things you can do, a good, good exercise is just my, what my mom used to always call, count your blessings. But so often we get down into what's going wrong with our lives. And it's just a good mental exercise to sit down and say, God, I am so grateful for this and for that and for whatever it might be. But that is, that is changing the way that you think. And of course, one of the best, one of the best forces for that kind of thinking is Scripture and so taking part in scripture and regularly putting it into your life is so important because it starts to transform those neural pre- neural pathways it starts to change the way that you think so just simply read scripture read the bible And it's so easy, and I know sometimes people say, you know what, I read it, I don't understand it, it's just I don't understand those words, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know what, we have so many different versions available to us in modern English now that you can find something that's understandable. In fact, if you don't have this, there is an app. It's a free app available on your iPhone um, or whatever inferior device you might use. (laughs) It's called Uversion. It's the Uversion app. And on this app, you can have it on your iPhone. You can actually, you can, if you've got Wi-Fi or access, you can get, you can download. You can also, there's, you can take some of those versions and actually download them onto your device and have them available to you. There are tons of different versions of the Bible in English there for you to take. And if you'd like, you can also um, register and sign up for a reading program. If you want to read all the way through the New Testament, there will, you can, they will set it up for you. You can just automatically set it up where there will be a reminder every morning, this is your scripture reading for the day. You can do it by topic. You can do it all the way through the Bible. You can do it through the Gospels. You can do it through one of the Gospels. You can set up this reading plan for yourself however you want to, but it will just remind you every day, this is today's reading. Just reading scripture helps transform the way that you think. It's it's putting good stuff into your brain. Don't just read it. Study it. Study the Bible. Learn to dig deep into that. And if you don't know how to do that, this is why we highly encourage you to be in a community group. Because in our community groups, what we do is we take the passages that we talked about kind of in a lecture setting on a Sunday morning and in a more informal discussion setting, start digging a little bit deeper and saying, okay, how does this apply to my life? And what happens in a group setting is you'll find that there's somebody else in the group that sees it from a different perspective. I had never thought of it that way. That's good. I needed to hear that. And studying Scripture together in a community group is a great way to take this into your life and put it into your mind. Now, if you are new to the faith, or maybe you've been a Christian, you've been a Christ follower for a long, long time, but you've never really learned how to study the Bible, we have two classes that we are offering this semester starting next week um, in our Northgate U series. The first one is called Next. And that's just a basic class for how to read and study the Bible, how to start developing some biblical habits. And if you don't even know where to start, I would highly encourage you this morning on your way. you can still sign up for that class. It's going to be offered starting in a couple weeks. Just sign up for next. If you don't know where to start at all, that's a good place to start. And we're making that class available for you for that purpose. Now, if you know kind of the basics, the next class, it's kind of the next level up. It's called the journey. The next class is only two weeks. It's more geared towards beginners and new believers. The journey class is a little bit more advanced. Not super advanced, but a little bit more advanced. And we take it, that's more like a five, six week class. But it'll it'll talk about how to learn and discover from God's word. And then how to start applying that to your life. And then how to start using the gifts that God has given to you to live your life mission. All of those things we offer available to you. So there's no excuse for not feeding your mind. Read the Bible, study the Bible, and meditate on it or memorize it. Now, this is really, really important. And especially if you are 50 years old or older and you're saying to yourself, I can't even remember my sister's name, okay? I can't memorize scripture. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I would encourage you to do that because when you memorize scripture, what you are doing is you are preparing yourself ahead of time for what you are going to experience later on in life. And I'll give you one example of that. I've talked about it on more than one occasion. But I went through a period in my life in ministry of a severe clinical depression. Just totally wiped out. Just probably the lowest I had ever been in my life. And there was a passage of scripture that I had memorized as a little kid called Psalm 23. And in the lowest points of my life, in those sleepless nights... When I was just in turmoil and just 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 absolutely overwhelmed with life. I started praying. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (sighs) And a calm and a peace and a comfort and a reassurance would just wash over me. Because I memorized a passage of scripture when I was a little kid. So that's what it means to to take it into your soul. Because when it takes root there, it becomes a source of strength and blessing and comfort that you don't have if you don't have it. We have a, a, a monthly pastors gathering, all the pastors in Benicia. We just get together for lunch once a month. And it's not a big, it's just a get together, check in with each other, see how everybody's doing, pray for each other, pray with each other. And uh, we have all kinds of really great, interesting discussions. But this, just this last week, we had one of our pastors gathering. And one of the pastors, um, Pastor Jeannie at um, St. Paul's um, Episcopal Church, she did for years, she was a chaplain um, at, a, um, at a rest home, a convalescent home, actually mostly geared towards um, dementia patients. And in her job, she would do a chapel um, once a week. And she said, you know, it was amazing because all of these old people who, who were not fully in their right minds anymore, who were suffering from dementia and all those things, when they would come to the end of the chapel service and they would recite the Lord's Prayer to a person, though they couldn't remember anything else, everyone joined in that prayer because it was deep in their soul see, that's what happens when you nourish your mind, when you feed your mind in these things. It nourishes your soul. It changes the direction of your life. Which leads to the third thing. Because it's not just about knowledge. Once you've learned to monitor your mind and start nourishing your mind, then the last thing is start to direct your mind. Now you do something. You develop values and beliefs that begin to alter the course of your life. They begin to change your decisions and your behavior. Because there's an intimate connection between the way that we think and the decisions that we make. See, if I, if, if I know that my car is low on gas, I need to do something about that. If that fuel gauge goes down to E, okay, and, and the little you know, gas pump light comes on on the dashboard... It's telling me something. That's information. That's knowledge that I now have. But if I do nothing with that, I will end up on the side of the road completely out of gas because the knowledge does me no good unless I do something to act on it. And and if the the gauge is going down, I need to start looking for a gas station. I need to change my behavior. And if that little gas pump light comes on and I'm like down to the... I will take any gas station. But I got to do something. And that's the whole idea. You you nourish your mind, you feed your mind so that you can direct your mind, so that your mind can direct the rest of your life. You make a decision, you do something about it. That's why Paul went on and says, So now, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, now put it into practice. And we find that all the way through Scripture. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, said, Now that you know all these things, do them. James, in his letter to the churches, said, listen, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer as well. Because to to be a hearer of God's word is like to look in the mirror, see how awful things are, and do nothing about it. (laughs) You need to comb your hair. You need to brush your teeth. You need to straighten yourself up a little bit. That's the whole purpose of looking in the mirror. He says, if you don't do anything with it, then you've missed the whole point. And what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your mind is to have Him so shape and reorient your perception and your mindset that it begins to change your actions and your behavior. And that's what Paul's talking about. And it's not just about knowledge. Because Scripture makes it really, really clear that if you just go after knowledge for knowledge's sake, that just leads to pride that he says knowledge puffs up while love builds up. The idea is to learn how to love. And that's what Peter talked about when he said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not just the knowledge, but in the grace. Knowledge should lead to greater grace. And that's what we want from our lives. So to love the Lord your God with all your mind is to have Him so transform your perception and your mindset and the way that you look at life and the way that you process the experiences of your life in such a way that it begins to change your heart and your decision-making. And in that, we learn not just the knowledge, but the grace of God as well. Would you bow your heads with me?